The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're speaking with Zeon Lights. She has been in the environmental world for a very long time, and she's the UK director of a group called Environmental Progress. Zeon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me. So I want to learn a little bit about who you are and what you're currently doing and what you're working on. And hopefully we can talk about nuclear a little bit, uh, which has kind of uh, been an interest of mine lately. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're currently working on? So I have um, quite a long history um, of experience in environmental campaigning and activism and writing also which I know a lot of people think is odd when they then hear that I am now an advocate for nuclear energy. But actually, for me, it's a complete, um, you know, natural evolution from worrying about the state of the environment and, and, and climate change and moving on towards solutions and thinking about, you know, what are, what are the best kind of ways to tackle um, some of the, the biggest issues that we, we face, which um, having read a lot of the research, I would now say, you know, I'm strongly in favour of nuclear energy and I kind of came out for that recently and it caused a bit you know caused some waves um in the media and that part of that was around kind of speaking to Mike who um I'd had some contact with previously in my role as the spokesperson for Extinction Rebellion UK um where he was quite critical of some of our um approaches some of the things that we were saying and I actually, you know, I spoke to him and I actually said, well, I've seen your TED talk and I, I agree with you on nuclear because, you know, I can see that um, the numbers add up, that it's just it's, the facts speak for themselves. And and kind of off the back of that, month, months later, we got in touch again and he offered me this role as the director of environmental progress in the UK, which is a position that I still hold now. So I think that was back in um, April that he offered me the role. So did that happen because you guys disagreed on something? Like, I, th- I think my understanding is this is Michael Schellenberger, by the way, if you're listening. Uh, he's been on our show as well. Um, so I think you guys had like a little bit of like differences and then you talked to each other for Michael's book and then you ended up working together. Is that kind of how that went? That's that's exactly how it went. I know it sounds really unusual, but he um he actually wrote an article about me <laughs> for Forbes. I think it was. Um, and it had a picture of me, Greta Thunberg, AOC, Bill McKibben, and I think like a koala bear or something. And it said, everything environmentalists say about the environment is wrong. And it quoted me in this television interview that I'd been on Andrew Neil's show over here. And um, yeah, someone, several people sent that article to me the day that it was published. And I was kind of like, hey, you know, that's not really, you know, that's not really fair what he's saying there. So I got in touch with him and he said, well, let's talk. And Mm-hmm. Um, we had a quite heated discussion um, and he said, you know, you'll, you'll call it, you're saying that we're all going to be extinct. And I was saying, no, I'm talking about, you know, the levels of extinction that are occurring. And we kind of just, we went back and forth in a lot of things, but I kind of, the nuclear thing came up and I just said, look, I agree with you on a lot of things. Um, we're not completely at loggerheads here. And he was really surprised 
and then you know much later months later got in touch again and we then we had a conversation about it and he said you know you would be a great advocate for this if you were willing to 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 take it public you know and I said well actually I've I've never I've you know I wasn't kind of hiding that I my stance on nuclear it was more that it was irrelevant to what I was doing because in XR that in Extinction Rebellion they don't really focus on solutions so it wasn't really something that came up as part of the campaigning but I was starting to feel that actually it was time to move towards solutions and I kind of thought well if I throw my weight behind anything with all my kind of expertise it would it would be it would be this because there aren't enough advocates not and there aren't enough kind of powerful advocates for nuclear at the moment so um I very gladly accepted the role so what I want to say about that is that I think it's amazing and so important now more so than ever that we talk to people we disagree with. And I think if we do, we end up finding that we have a lot of commonalities and similarities. And so I think that this is a a wonderful story, really, about how you and Michael ended up getting along afterward, right? Um, There's so much like blame and like negativity I find that's coming into the environmental movement. And uh, I think if we, we all just talk a little bit more that it'll be kind of better for everyone, right? So yeah, this is super cool. Absolutely. And actually, you know, some of the criticisms I've had from people saying, you know, who said to me, how can you work with Mike? He believes this or that. I've kind of said, "Do do you know anyone where you believe all the same things? Do you work with anyone or have, have you ever had any boss where you agree with everything? We've got to stop being so ridiculous about that you know people have different views that's okay but ultimately he and I are completely aligned believing that nuclear is one of the biggest solutions to 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 so many problems that the world faces and and that's that's really important and that that's enough for me you know it's a real shame that things have become so polarized people don't speak to each other or people become very tribal and you know I think it's really important that we reach out to people who yeah have different views to us and just just accept that that you know that's the way of the world and that that's okay it doesn't mean that you're wrong um uh, you know and I, and I and I say that you know it probably makes me sound quite naive but i have quite a long history of of doing this so um when my book was published uh, several years ago the ultimate guide to green parenting it's an evidence based book on how to lower your carbon emissions as a family and there's a chapter on there in there on vaccines and it caused again it caused a big ruckus in the kind of green parenting community where there traditionally tend to be a lot of people who don't believe in vaccination and I completely you know had some incredible conversations with people and I'm not going to say I converted lots of people because you know I wouldn't claim that but certainly some of those conversations were really important because sometimes it was just addressing people's concerns about vaccines that they didn't have anywhere else to go to and even you know in this case some of them had said they would had gone to say like their doctor and they'd sort of been laughed at and that's that's kind of sometimes where the problem comes from it's it's from the communicators and the professionals it's not you, know, you can't always blame people and say well they believe something that's really against the science well we've got who's communicating the science we've got to do that first before we can just write people off and say, well, you know, they don't understand what's going on. With regards to you speaking to people and, and you know, you're going on shows where people might not agree with you, uh, I think you do a wonderful job at, at keeping very calm. And an interesting thing I heard you say was that facts don't change people's minds. It's whether people trust you. And I think we see this a lot as well that you know you can you can give people facts and they just don't want to believe them because they're so interested in 
keeping their old opinions, uh, it seems. And I think we see this in the green community now with wind and solar. We've just been told for so long that wind and solar are the answers. And then we're seeing that, you know, they're not the answers. Um, Have you been watching what's happening in California with the rolling blackouts? I have, yes. And there's also Germany as a case study importing coal. In fact, we just did it here when when our wind power when our wind turbines stopped turning, we had to import coal to fill the gap. Yeah, so Germany, you you've spoke about that a little bit as well. Um I think they stopped some of their their power plants to start burning coal again. Were those nuclear plants that they shut they, down? They have a plan to phase out all nuclear. Um, even if it means relying on coal for longer, that's their complete. That's that's their their mission. And you know, you can imagine what what's happening there. That's not it's not a great plan if you want to bring emissions down. Um, but there's a strong um, anti-nuclear sentiment there, and it's a, there's a similar thing happening in France where they closed Fessenheim recently. It's their rea- oldest reactor had been operating for about fifty years, never had a problem. It was closed due to public pressure and kind of some of the you know Greenpeace is very active there, anti-nuclear. Um, so, but but what I would say is on your point about environmentalism, I think actually um, this is a problem that affects like every area. So like, you know, it's not just environmentally, like, look at what's happening with the mass protests now in America. I mean, it, 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 th- there's a real kind of tribalism around um, views that aren't evidence-based and there's a, there are a lot of conspiracy theories. And with nuclear, there are so many conspiracy theories Um even when I've shown, and this is what I mean when I say the facts don't, you know, speak to a lot of people. You show them the data that says, look, you know, what you believe about Fukushima killing uh, thousands of people with radiation is a lie. Nobody died from radiation at Fukushima. Uh, people will say that's because they covered it up. It's very hard. Once that conspiracy theory kind of gets in, it's really hard to unpick that and to move past it. Um, but I think it's always about just having the conversations and kind of looking at it in a wider context. So the reason we launched Nuclear for Net Zero recently is to try and put it in a wider context of, all right, it's, we're not just fighting for it for the sake of it. Look at, look, at, look at all the world's problems that we're facing. Nuclear is a great option, is a great solution in terms of these things. If you're going to fear things and have, you know, worries about things, have a look at things, um, you know, d- like um, climate change or air pollution that's a thing that people often don't think about but you know the air pollution that comes from burning coal well sure we can import it I even had someone argue with me on Twitter the other day a quite well-known person who said you know it's just a few days of coal and I said that's because we don't have to live near the coal plants that are causing respiratory conditions and the people who live there who tend to be really poor and when I saw that when that happened in, in the Punjab in India where my parents are from those people don't even have electricity the people who are suffering living near those coal plants. So let's let's be honest about um, the things that, you know, that are the real issues instead of having, you know, made up fears of something that is actually a solution. So do you think that, uh, we talked to Michael about this as well, like, do you think that developing countries should go to nuclear, like, earlier than we did? Because it seems that you have to build up, like, you have to go through the process of, coal and then you know maybe you can go to natural gas and then hopefully nuclear like do you see that as well that there's sort of a progression and do you think nuclear is kind of like the best end-all energy option that we have it it absolutely is but i agree that leapfrogging isn't straight into it isn't always an option um but what i would say is there's no reason for people in britain or you know the developed countries for transition completely to nuclear allowing which would allow 
developing countries to to make those transitions if they need to yeah so i i was wondering if you've heard of these batteries that you can use with a little bit of nuclear waste and i was just sort of wondering what you thought about that if you've heard of them you can basically charge your phone for about 5000 years if you use a tiny bit of nuclear waste and then encrust it in like a diamond case so that it doesn't you know radiate people have you heard about that yeah at all? i have heard about that but I, what i would say is there are a lot of these potential kind of technologies on the horizon and they sound amazing and it may be that we get you know get some of them soon and it will solve our problems really quite quickly um but there is a little bit of a danger of people kind of hyper focusing on them because i get you wouldn't believe the amount of links and things i get sent to all of these <laughs> potentially new technologies and what I keep saying is let's, you know, let's just remember that we have something that's really good right now that works now. Um, and that's great. That's really great if those things work out. But they're, you know, they're, they're just potentials on the horizon at the moment. And it is a little bit similar to what I've heard in the environmental movement about battery storage for renewables. It's just it's around the corner. You know, it's going to solve all our problems and we'll have 100 percent renewables. And I've heard that for about 15 years. So I'm a little bit more skeptical than other people about these ideas of new tech but you know I obviously welcome all of them and I hope I hope that there are great advancements made um you know in the coming years because it will help with so many of the issues that we face today yeah uh that's like the 15 years of the battery storage right like I think that's a thing with wind is if only we could store it but it doesn't really seem like that technology is going to come if ever so it probably makes more sense to go nuclear and and I just worry about, especially my own country where it's so cold, if we go to rolling blackouts because our grid is made up of so much wind and solar uh, that, you know, people could freeze here. Like I, I am kind of against messing with our energy grid in Canada just because so much is on the line. And I really worry about Canadians because a lot of us heat our homes with electricity, right? Um, so I I do worry that our Green Party here is trying to still push the wind and solar. But we do have nuclear on our on our grid where I live anyway, which is kind of neat. And, you know, it provides a lot of good jobs. I think it's very safe. The waste isn't as much as you may think. Uh, I'm sure you've seen those pictures with the uh, the the carpets hanging and stuff. That was pretty cool. What do you think about the waste? Like, do you think... Do you think we should be worried about it? Like, what is your opinion on nuclear waste? I don't think we should be worried about it. From what I've read, and I do encourage, you know, again, I always say, I know people aren't always interested in reading up, reading up the facts, but I encourage anyone to have a look at just how well managed and stored it is in most cases. Um, and if that doesn't happen, it's a, you know, it's an issue to put pressure on the government to make sure that they do, whoever's in running that country, because the when it's done well, it's extre done extremely well. It's completely safe. It's very minimal. It's not, you know, people have this idea that it's this kind of sloppy liquid that goes everywhere that, you know, is toxic and it's green. And that, that comes from popular culture like The Simpsons. And it's actually the not. Simpsons. It's, you know, it's solid. Yeah, re yeah, really. That is sometimes, well, quite often what I'm dealing with when I talk to people about waste. It's, you know, these little solid cylinders that are buried. It's completely fine. And also, let's stop using the word safe when we talk about nuclear. People keep saying oh, I think maybe I agree it's safe. Do, do, let's look at it this way. Does anyone ever say that about fossil fuels? 
do you know what? Fossil fuels aren't safe. Let's be honest. And in the UK, we, we're massively reliant on them. We, about 40% of our energy comes from gas. No one ever talks about whether it's safe or not. There's quite a lot of energy to be getting from a source that the data shows is is far more dangerous than nuclear. You know, deaths um, and illnesses from the extraction process, from air pollution, from contributing to global warming. <laughs> if you look at, you know, somewhere like our world in data, um, dot org, I think it is. If you look at the actual numbers on there, it's just it, they speak for themselves that um, nuclear is, you know, it's not about whether or not you believe it. It is the safest option. And that is including um, the disasters that we all have it burned into our memories because of the way that kind of the media responded to them, which is Chernobyl and Fukushima. Actually, that even even then comparing the people that were the, the, the small number of people that were harmed in those disasters, it's nothing compared to what happens in the fossil fuel industry. It's just that we don't seem to be so aware of that. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Yeah, people are scared of it. I've done little polls on social media and and people are, are still very against it, especially in the environmental world. So is that is that environmental progress? Is that your main focus is nuclear? It is at the moment, yes. And particularly because I'm in the UK and there's a decision coming here imminently. So it's this month, um, the government's deciding on whether or not they will press ahead with building Sizewell and Moorside. So a lot of our um, our reactors are due to shut down in the next kind of ten to fifteen years. So we really need this these we need we need these plants to be built basically. But they've there's been a lot of um, umming and ahhing and going back and forth, and a decision has not yet been made. And it it looks like it's coming this month. So I'm really um, put, putting all my energy into that at the moment. Just trying trying to you know trying to have discussions about it, trying to move the discussion on a, past this whole idea of you know, safety, this obsession with safety, um, build awareness, you know, that actually we we are heavily reliant on fossil fuels in this country at the moment. And as I say, recently we had a heat wave. We went down from using 20% wind to 4%. The gap had to be filled with coal. Where does that come from? You know, these are really important conversations to be having over here. So that's completely my focus until this meeting happens in mid-September. And that's also why we launched Nuclear for Net Zero in Ipswich, um, which is a town near where Sizewell is due to be built. And we'll be doing another action there soon as well, just to sort of, um, you know, generate some debate about it in the press. So there's a, a nuclear plant that is going to be built in the UK. Is that right? There is a plan for Sizewell to be built. And if Sizewell is built, there's another plant called Moorside, and it would use this exactly the same kind of model Um so, you know, it'd be a lot quicker and cheaper to build than Sizewell. But but this kind of plan has been floating around for a while and, it you know, the, the approval hasn't gone ahead. And, um, yeah, the, the government here is making a decision on it imminently this month. Is the biggest concern with the government that they might not be safe? Like, is that kind of the only holdup? No, no, I don't think it is that at all. I think actually it's they're just they don't want to upset the public you know, and they're not sure where public opinion lies. I would say that a lot more people are pro-nuclear or on the fence than people are aware, than politicians are aware of. And that's because there are so many high profile anti-nuclear actions, which is why um, I traveled up to Ipswich on Monday and did the UK's first pro-nuclear action, because actually there's a, you know, it's missing from from the discussion and, and from the kind of visibility of who's out there and who believes what, um, what should happen because at the moment they you know can you can imagine they're getting a lot of 
um, pushback. And, and I think that's why it's been delayed. I don't think it's that the government doesn't think it's safe. In fact, Boris Johnson has openly said he, he supports nuclear, but a decision has not been made to build um, Sizewell. And at the same time, you know, they're talking about it's desperately needing this economic recovery over here because of coronavirus. Well, you know, we're going to get at least 2000 jobs out of Sizewell. So there are lots of different benefits to it. Um, and yeah, I'm just really hoping that just getting a bit of press coverage and debate going around it will kind of help with, help to sway the decision in some way. A lot of jobs. And I heard that in Canada, they are like six figure jobs. And I don't know how true that is. Uh, I think maybe you have to work there a few years, but even even the less skilled jobs at the nuclear plant in Ontario um, are are like fairly high paying. So it's it's good. It's good jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. There was an action actually recently. I don't know if you you saw it. Um, somebody put up a stop size well sign on the motorway near where the site where the plant is due to be built. And it was graffitied by a local person who sprayed over it. Jobs, not snobs. Which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> Jobs, not snobs. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I don't know who it was. Yeah. But, you know, that's think... the local sentiment. That's awesome. You know, I am I am in favor of jobs. So uh, when we talk about this, you know, let's say we have a problem with Coca-Cola producing billions of plastic bottles and they end up in bad places. Right. We've talked about this before, but it's like if you just get rid of Coca-Cola, like you'd get rid of like so many jobs uh, that are are taking care of people and feeding people and stuff. So sometimes the answer isn't as simple as just stop doing something. Uh, And I think this comes with the keep it in the ground argument as well with oil and gas. Like, especially in Canada, if we don't have any oil and gas, how are we supposed to keep building and developing and feeding ourselves and heating ourselves? Mm -hmm. I think it can be kind of Mm -hmm. a dangerous argument. Um, So I'm excited for a future with nuclear. I, I think it is the answer the more I look into it and talk to experts like yourself. So this has been pretty wonderful to hear, um, to hear you speak about it. And I wish we had more time. Uh, Probably you can just point people toward my Twitter. Um, that's where I post all my updates. And on Twitter, her handle is at Zeontree. So at Z-I-O-N-T-R-E-E. And uh, do you have any recommendations for anyone who wants to get involved with the pro-nuclear movement? Sure. So we've just set up a Facebook group called Nuclear for Net Zero. Come along and have a look at that if you're in the UK. Um, and I'm very active on Twitter at Zeontree, Z-I-O-N-T-R-E-E. Um, really, really um, keen to engage with people on all of the different issues and, and also kind of expanding beyond nuclear. As I say, it's my focus right now because it's the big kind of um, topic here in the UK, but I'm really interested in other um, science, but evidence-based solutions um, to, for, for you know the problems that the world faces. Awesome. Well, Zion, it's been really great talking to you. So I want to thank you for coming on the show, and uh, it's it's been great. So uh, thank you. Well, thanks for having me, Laura. That was Zion Lights. She is the UK director of Environmental Progress. If you haven't heard about the rolling blackouts in California, they're certainly worth looking into, especially if you're from Canada. California hasn't been taking care of their energy grid with the care and funding needed. So the maintenance of their grid hasn't been kept up to date. But what's also troubling is that the green energy push for wind and solar has left power levels fluctuating so much that the blackouts have become necessary. 
When solar power production drops to about zero once the sun goes down, the temperatures are often so high in California that people keep their air conditioners running along with other power needs, particularly there's a high energy demand between 3 p.m. and 10 p.m. Solar and wind power doesn't have good storage capacity, so when the sun goes down and the wind stops blowing, well, there's no energy being produced. That's why natural gas, plants, and nuclear are necessary. If you're wondering why blackouts are so bad and why we can't just roll with them for the sake of the environment, there are a lot of people who would die without power. There are people that need machines to breathe or for other medical functions, people who can't tolerate high temperatures. There are hospitals keeping people alive that wouldn't be able to without power. But that's only during the summertime. And in Canadian winters, and where it's often minus 30 and sometimes even minus 40 Celsius across the country, sometimes for weeks at a time, we cannot risk energy grid meddling that will lead to Canadians freezing to death. I think it's important to recognize that wind and solar are not going to power our grids. Natural gas, and even better, nuclear, will power our grids much more reliably. And yes, there is nuclear waste, but wind turbines, for the most part, are not recyclable, and either are solar panels, neither of which last very long, which means they will all be going straight to our Canadian landfills. And in the case of solar panels, they require a lot of destructive mining, and both wind turbines and solar require fossil fuels to make anyway. California wants to get to zero emissions power by 2045, so they continue to add solar and wind to their grid with federal tax credits while still planning to shut down the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant by 2024 and shutting down coastal gas plants. Death Valley in California gets extremely hot and reaches temperatures of over 54 degrees Celsius. But as we head into wintertime here, hopefully California won't experience any more energy blackouts for the rest of the year. There's a lot of talk recently by the Liberal Party that they're planning some sort of green recovery. Seamus O'Regan is tweeting about wind and solar development, but with the Liberal Party's history of awarding their rich and well-connected friends with contracts, I'd keep an eye on what they're doing. It could end up being a way for the government to take money from taxpayers and give that money to their friends to build unreliable power that doesn't help Canadians, but that actually could end up seriously harming people if we ever get rolling blackouts like California. This month, we are planning a show all about Ontario's energy grid, so we'll get more into detail about this later in the month. But thank you so much for listening. Remember to be kind to others. There is a very, very divisive time going on right now, and we don't want it to get worse, and we don't want people to get hurt and that sort of thing. So we really need to understand other people's points of view. So if you can, try and listen to those who you disagree with and uh, try and get along on other issues. So for example, if you're talking about politics, and you don't get along, think about something else you like. I mean, even if it's as simple as like cats on the internet, talk about a funny cat video. Like you can always, always find something with a person that you agree on and you need to build on those things and then kind of maybe tread lightly around the things you don't agree with. Um, But just please don't hate people that disagree with you. It's, It's really bad and it's obviously getting worse right now. 
Um, But anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show and take care of yourself during this weird time. And uh, if you have anything to let me know, you can email me, laura at zerowastecountdown.com. Please follow the show and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. So you can click on there and give us a review. That would be excellent. And tune in next week for the next episode. Until then, take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.